Good afternoon, and welcome back to The Chronicle on Riot Radio for our final show of the semester. I'm Navraj Sundar. And I'm Sophia Abbasi. We're your hosts for today. What do you think is stolen most often on campus? We'll find out. Signs of Christmas are all around us, but there's another celebration taking place at this time of year. We'll tell you about a Kwanzaa event happening tonight at the Durham Family Cultural Center. In sports, we'll look at how the Lord's basketball teams are doing midway through their seasons. And the Ontario Parasports games are coming to Durham. We'll let you know how you can be part of Be The Roar. In arts, Durham College hosted the Mixed Reality Capture Arcade in the pit last week. We'll hear about five video games that were showcased, created with the help of game art students. And the holiday season is here, so Santa is back in town. Later, we'll bring you someone with a story to tell, featuring Durham Lords men's soccer player Isaiah Wisdom and a very famous pop star's manager, Dieter Wiesner. But first, here's Deidre Clark with the news. Welcome to News, I'm Deidre Clark. Like other hospitals across Ontario, Lake Ridge Health Oshawa is under pressure due to an influx of children with RSV, according to local doctors. RSV is a respiratory virus that's common in children in the winter. However, this year hospitals are seeing a spike across the province. From the mid to end November, RSV rates were stabilizing. According to the Public Health Ontario, just over 4,400 were tested, with just over 280 testing positive. But the good news is the positivity rate dropped between those two weeks from 6.9% to 5.9%. Hafed Almadani looks at what that means closer to home. Dr. Elsad Arifi is a pediatrician at Lake Ridge Health, Oshawa. He says the hospital is exceeding capacity because of lack of beds and staff, which can't keep up with the increase in the number of children with the virus. So uh, last year and specifically this year, RSV is being quite... Um, um, busy season, partly due to the lockdown, uh, children and uh, young kids are being back to school. So there's lots of um, um, RSV infection that presented to the uh, clinics and to the hospitals. Oshawa mother Ashley Buller recently took her two sons, 27 months and nine weeks, to the emergency room with RSV. Although she understands the current circumstances, she wasn't pleased with the service. My problem was that like, the care that I got after that, like the doctor spent like four minutes with us. Like he didn't even, he didn't look at my newborn at all. He didn't even ask me to take him out of the car seat. Arifi says the hospital is understaffed, 
both for nurses and doctors. He says they're overworked and burnt out. When the uh, child needs significant care, it takes more than usual. Sometimes a nurse can look after three to four children when they are quite significantly uh, sick. Will be uh, a nurse uh, looking after only either one or two ch uh, sick uh, children. So that takes um, quite a lot in the system. While RSV appears to be on the decline in Ontario, influenza is still anticipated to intensify, according to the health minister, Sylvia Jones. Meanwhile, Arifi urges patients who are less ill to attend clinics before attending a hospital. In Oshawa, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Hafed Almadani. Many of us have been there before. An unforeseen emergency occurs and we pick up the phone to call 911. A full dispatch of firefighters, paramedics and police show up. But what if the emergency is more complex? Who do you call in the case of a mental health emergency? As Luke Mandato reports, Durham Region is looking at an alternative response. Durham Region is in the process of developing a crisis response service that would not require police to be involved. The model, known as the Durham Crisis Alternative Response, would see civilians, rather than police, respond to mental health, substance use, and social disturbance calls, but only those that don't involve violence or danger. Rachel Bromberg is the Executive Director of the International Crisis Response Association and will head the Alternative Response Service. She says the difference between an alternative response and a traditional one is specialization. We see it as a fourth branch of the emergency support system because, you know, fire is an emergency, crime is an emergency, medical crisis, physical mental medical crisis is an emergency, and uh, mental health crisis also an emergency. Another goal of the initiative is to remove the stigma surrounding mental health emergencies. We're going to come to you. We're going to provide non-judgmental support. Um, we're going to help you de-escalate your crisis, figure out what your options are, and get you connected with the services you need, all like taking a very trauma-informed, client-centered approach, no judgment. Francis Garway is the Chief Executive Officer of Caria Community Health Center, an organization that does a multitude of social work across the region. He echoes the importance of this approach because the current system's response has a different focus. They are responding to it in a different uh, mechanism that would not predominantly be focused on probably addressing some of the challenges that are underneath Bromberg's team is currently gathering community feedback to present to Durham Region Council. They hope the alternative response option will cover all of Durham Region within the next few years. In Oshawa, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Luke Mandato. Durham Region is growing, but what does that mean for a natural Durham environment in the with the community? The Local Enhancement and Appreciation of Forests, or LEAF, is a nonprofit organization based in Toronto that teaches people about trees and shrubs and plants native species in urban areas. The organization expanded into a Durham into Durham in 2020. Since then, it has planted more than 460 native trees and 340 native shrubs at more than 360 properties in Durham. Navarre Sunder takes a look at how Leaf is benefiting the Durham community. Leaf's backyard tree planting program is dedicated to helping residents grow native plants on their property. Aaron McDonald, the acting executive director at Leaf, wants to educate people on trees and tree planting. She emphasizes the benefits and importance of planting native trees. Native trees specifically are adapted to the local climate. So they are already well suited to grow in the conditions of this region, um, which means that in general, once established, they're going to require far less maintenance um, and sort of care 
Leaf sends an arborist to residents' yards for an in-person consultation to find out what species is the right fit for them. They also do community tree planting events where people plant trees and shrubs on public land. Ian McVeigh is the manager of sustainability with the region of Durham. He says most of Durham is private property, so in addition to working on publicly owned land, they need to work with private landowners to see the full benefits of urban forests. So a big part of the LEAF program is about, you know, helping the homeowner choose the right tree, put it in the right place so it'll survive and take care of it over the long term. McVeigh says the biggest hurdle in the fight against climate change is apathy among the public. He says people need to understand that they can make change. It's not just about getting that tree in the ground, it's also about raising their awareness and making them feel like they're doing, like they can do something. LEAF plans to do more events and tree tours in person to educate people on different species in 2023. In Oshawa, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Navraj Sunder. Have you ever lost headphones on campus or left your phone or laptop unattended for a few minutes only to have these items disappear? With thousands of students and staff on school grounds at any given time, there's always a concern about theft. But as Jacob Palace reports, the numbers don't reflect the worry. On average, about 25,000 students are on campus between Durham College and Ontario Tech each day. And when that many people are wandering about the campus, theft could be a major issue. But according to Head of Campus Security, Tom Lynch, the numbers are actually very low. We just put in our monthly report for October. So year to date, January 1st, 2022 to the end of October, we had 20 uh, report theft reports submitted. Even with numbers that low, Lynch says there are still items that people are having stolen. What seems to be targeted more so than anything else is like electronics. That includes cell phones, laptops, and like headphones, you know, like the fancy headphones. Lynch says that between the two campuses, theft isn't much of an issue. It's by no means a serious concern on campus. Those numbers are for, for both institutions. Owen Harenga, a student and staff member with Campus Recreation, says theft isn't a big issue for the rec center. No big thefts in here. Harenga himself drives to school, so he isn't worried about his belongings going missing. I just like to park my car and then I don't think my car's going to get stolen. According to Lynch, there isn't much thought put into these crimes. The vast majority of thefts are not necessarily, in my respectful opinion, aren't like thought out or, or, or premeditated. It, they're all, from what I see, they're all crimes of opportunity. In Oshawa, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Jacob Pavlos. Tonight, the Durham Family and Cultural Centre is hosting Kwanzaa 101, event online. It's a chance for anyone to learn about the origin, history and significance of Kwanzaa. As Afaf Ghazi reports, the organization hopes for a good turnout for its second annual Kwanzaa celebration. There will be presentations, games, cahoots, quizzes, and prizes for everyone who attends the online Kwanzaa 101 learning celebration. The Durham Family and Cultural Center is hosting their second informative session and celebration, where everyone is welcome to learn and enjoy. Along with exploring the history and importance of the celebration, the event hopes to teach attendees about the seven principles of Kwanzaa. Unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. DFCC outreach worker Evander Cobalt hopes that Black people and non-Black people alike will benefit from the event. So we want to kind of extend our reach to connect um, African people specifically 
to to find ways to strengthen our level of bond and solidarity and and again also find ways to bring other communities along so along so they can further um their knowledge uh, of what kwanzaa is tala lumbu the youth board member for the dfcc says the session is catered towards young people to help them own their identity so this celebration is really important for the youth just because the principles of kwanzaa focus on uh, inspiring and encouraging the younger generation as well as connecting to the past uh, in order to build that foundation to further uh, the Black people as a whole in um, every aspect. The Durham Family and Cultural Center is also hosting an in-person Kwanzaa celebration on December 29th at the Pickering Library. You can register for tonight's free virtual event on their website at durhamfcc.org. The celebration runs from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. In Whitby, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Afal Kwasi. This week, young entrepreneurs had a chance to promote their businesses on campus with the annual Fast Start Christmas Market. Students and community members showcased and sold handmade jewelry, body care products, ethnic clothes, and delicious homemade treats. Sophia Bassi with more. As students walked through the pit, they were greeted by a tall, bright Christmas tree to remind them of the holiday joy and students and community members selling their products. Fast Start Coordinator Heather Brown says students start businesses like these for a variety of reasons. So uh, students usually have various goals. Some students want to make side hustles and some want to make a career out of it. She says the market is a great opportunity to promote their brands and talk about their products with students and faculty. Child and youth care student Brandy Clark was at the market with her wife, Chantel Clark. They sold products from their Afro-Indigenous business, the No BS label. They had a variety of traditional handcrafted jewelry and 90s aesthetic necklaces. Clark and her wife usually sell at powwows and are trying to promote their business at more pop-up markets. She says her business is a safe space for LGBTQ plus and two-spirit members. So in the Native community, there's a strong lack of two-spirit and LGBTQ plus representation. So we just wanted to be able to provide a space for LGBTQ members or Two-Spirit members to go and shop in a safe environment. She would love to see an Indigenous market at Durham College or a market for Black entrepreneurs to showcase their small businesses. Entrepreneurship and small business student Jenna Tichidawe promoted her Black-owned natural skin and body care brand Shea Shimmers. She uses ingredients from her home country of Nigeria. We also believe in sourcing our ingredients from there as well, since it also does create jobs for the people over there. So that was something really big in terms of me starting this business. She says Fast Start supported her business with product photography and social media posts. She says those resources have helped her boost her small business. In Oshawa, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Sophia Abbasi. If you haven't finished your shopping, an Ajax mom would like you to consider shopping from people like her. Arusa Ahmed is a small business owner and a new mom with a seven-month-old daughter. She owns a skincare brand, Glow Away Skin, that she sells online and she runs two wedding rental businesses. She attends to clients, makes deliveries, and works to create a large following on her social media pages. Ahmed says it's a struggle to balance being a new mom and a small business owner. So many people doing it, so you think like you have like a lot of high expectations for yourself too, and then when you're not able to like meet it or like stay on task and meet all your goals, it's super disappointing. But 
um, at the same time, you kind of have to remind yourself that you're raising a human. She encourages people to follow her small business pages and shares links to post with friends and followers to help support full-time small business owners and parents like her. That's all for news. Up next, Luke Mandato joins us with sports. Welcome to sports. I'm Luke Mandato. The Durham Lords are halfway through their basketball season. The men's team has an overall record of 13-2, while the women's team has a record of 7-5. Brandon Clark spoke with men's basketball guard Daniel Harris to find out how the first half went and what the season looks like after the break. Second-year player Daniel Harris says the first half of the season went a lot better than the team expected. They lost one preseason game against the Niagara Knights and a regular season game against the Centennial Colts. Most recently, they defeated St. Lawrence College by a score of 79-70. to uh, First half was uh, a lot better than um, we expect, expected. Um, played pretty, we've been, we only lost one game for Centennial, so um, it's been pretty good. Um, we've been riding on a very good win streak and um, we had some challenges and Challenges all across the way and lost a few lost a few players due to injury and injury and whatnot, but it's been a pretty good season so far. First half. Harris says the team hopes to get healthy over the break and come back strong in the new year. Be healthy. I think that's the only thing. Health is um, is the biggest thing that is our concern right now because we are we are a deep team. Guard forward Angelo Sarsonis is the team's current lead scorer. He finished the match against St. Lawrence with 21 points. Meanwhile, the women's team also won against the St. Lawrence Surge by a score of 73-60 to 60 in their last match of the fall semester. In Oshawa reporting for The Chronicle, I am Brandon Clark. Athletes with disabilities will be back in Durham Region in February to show their skills at the Ontario Parasport Games. The call is out to the community to show its support for the athletes with the Be the Roar campaign aimed at filling the stands. Tammy Raycraft has more on the games and how everyone in the Durham Region can get involved. Paramazing. This is the hashtag Don Terry used to describe the athletes that will be competing this February in Whitby. Terry is the game's co-chair for the 2023 Ontario Parasports Games. This is the second time Durham Region has hosted the games. The first was in 2019, which Terry calls a tremendous success. He says these games are important for both the athletes and the local community. And for our games, they'll be competing in 11 different sports. And, you know, it's tremendously important um, for them to have that opportunity, but also for our community to see um, all that people can do. James Titmarsh, the sport technical chair for the games, says it's important for these athletes to showcase their skills on a larger stage. For a lot of these athletes, this is like their... Olympics or their, you know, Stanley Cup or whatever you might think like their their big finale is. Um, this is the pinnacle for it. The Parasports Games have helped launch many legacy initiatives in Durham Region. Be the Roar is one of them, which led to strong attendance in 2019. 
Terry says he's been to games where some sports see as little as 25 people in the stands. So be the roar is important. We ask businesses, schools, families, clubs, um, community organizations, workplaces um, to come together and form a fan club for a team or an athlete. Lori Talling is a sport tourism specialist for Durham Region and is the general manager of the games. She says having fans in the stands is hugely meaningful. There were over at least over 60 community groups that participated in Be The Roar in 2019. So hopefully even more this time around. Volunteer registration is open now for the games, but Titmarsh says there are many ways the community can get involved. Encourage the athletes, support the athletes, and just kind of inspire the games. The games run from February 3rd to the 5th. In Whitby, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Tammy Raycraft. Two Lords basketball players, Brianna Morrison and Mark Stoop, were named Athletes of the Week. Stoop was also named an OCAA Athlete of the Week. Men's basketball is tied for first in the East, and the women's team is close behind in second, just one win behind Algonquin. Both basketball teams are off now until January 4th. The women's volleyball team is at the top of the East Division, heading into the holiday break. The team has not lost a regular season match in the fall semester since 2017. In 2022, the 2022 World Cup quarterfinals have begun, with seven teams left in the competition after an exciting group stage and nerve-wracking round of 16. The tournament is now entering the final stages. There's plenty of excitement, excellent matchups, and elite athletes who are all focused on lifting the trophy on December 18th. Over the next 24 hours, four teams will advance to the semifinals, while the other four will be sent home. The first match of the quarterfinals has already taken place, with Croatia shocking the world by beating Brazil on penalties after 120 minutes of action. The match finished in a 1-1 draw, but it was Croatia who kept its composure on penalties to reach the final four. Argentina faces the Netherlands in just a few minutes, and the winner of this match will face Croatia in the semifinals on Tuesday. Tomorrow, the other two quarterfinal matches will take place, with Portugal taking on Morocco, while the big game will be France versus England. That's all today for sports. Up next, we'll have Arts with Wesley. Welcome to the Arts, I'm Wesley Braid. The Pit was turned into a gamer's paradise last week with five new video games for people to try out. The games were showcased as part of the MRC Arcade, an event to profile the Game Art Program and Durham College's Mixed Reality Capture Studio. Madison Duchin was there to find more about the games and the program behind them. MRC Arcade was a chance to celebrate and show off games created in the MRC studio. 
The event was free and featured five gaming stations, including Fossil Hunters, The Big Con, Little Learning Machines, Fire Tonight, and an unnamed asteroid game. John Goodwin is program coordinator for the game art program and lead researcher for the MRC studio. He found it hard to pick a favorite. Don't make me pick favorites. There's so many good ones. There really are. Fossil Hunters was probably the first. Uh, the new Secret Asteroid game is uh, really looking sharp, but they're all, they're all great content. The games were created by students using the MRC Studio, which allows them to use virtual reality, augmented reality, motion capture, and other game technology. The students gain real-world experience working with industry. The results paid off when the students got to see their games on the big screen. Game art student Josh Vandergreer's favorite was Fire Tonight. As a lot of variety in the types of levels it has, it kind of diversifies itself with not just being a puzzle game, but also uh, intermingling with the narrative as well. So. MRC studio volunteer game tester Arturo Martina helped test Fire Tonight. Martina was happy to see people playing the games. I hope that people here attending can see that the MRC is a fun place to work at. All of the games, except for the Asteroid game and Little Learning Machines, are available on Steam and other gaming platforms. In Oshawa, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Madison Duchin. Santa Claus came back to town this past Saturday in Whitby with the first Christmas parade in two years. It was rain a rainy and windy day, but the community made the most of it. I was there for the arrival of St. Nick. The streets of downtown Whippy were lined with excited children and their parents after two years without a Santa Claus parade. Police closed Brock Street so St. Nick and other community members could get through to celebrate the holidays. Nick Karanis was there. He didn't even know the parade was absent during the pandemic, but was happy it was back. It's a new perspective, like, um, the people gathering together. Another local, Mike Gleason, was happy for the kids. We just missed it. I mean, it was just missed, right? So it's nice to see all the kids back out. Unfortunately, the weather isn't great, but they don't care. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're waiting for Santa Claus. That's all that matters, sir. There was heavy rain and winds all morning, but the cheer remained high. Community members such as Brock Street Brewing Company... Durham Region Transit and Mayor Elizabeth Roy came through before the arrival of Chris Kringle. Santa and Mrs. Claus closed out the parade, which got the kids pumped up. Santa's next stop will be Sunderland tomorrow. He's already been to Oshawa, Bowmanville, and Ajax. In Whippy, reporting for The Chronicle, I'm Wesley Braid. Looking for something to do this weekend? The Biltmore Theatre is hosting a Feed the Need concert this weekend on Saturday from 2 to 6 p.m. and Sunday 2.30 to 4.30. The third annual Pickering Christmas Market is on this weekend at the Pickering Casino Resort. 
It runs tonight until 9 p.m. and tomorrow from 11 to 9 with local vendors, food, and entertainment. If you still haven't had your picture taken with Santa this year, head to Pingle's Christmas Fest. The market is back until December 18th with festive treats and activities, a hot chocolate bar, gifts, and a tree farm. Finally, check out the festive holiday lights on Old Scugog Road in Bowmanville. The annual over-the-top light displays are back every night until January 3rd. Former One Direction member Harry Styles released a new album earlier this year. Titled Harry's House, the album has already won two awards, an MTV Video Music Award for Album of the Year and an ARIA Music Award for Best International Artist. Prior to the release of the album, Styles released the lead single called As It Was. This song is currently sitting at the most streamed song on Spotify in 2022 with 1.2 billion streams. Here's As It Was by Harry Styles. In the past few shows, our Chronicle journalists have joined us to share stories about the people they wrote features about earlier this semester. 
Today, we're joined by Uriel Martinez, who profiled someone big, very big in the music world, potentially, some might argue, the biggest. So Uri, you're a musician. Who is this person? Well, I interviewed the manager of the biggest pop star in the world. OMG, the Biebs? No. Well, I was able to interview Michael Jackson, former manager, Dieter Bissner, who's not only a living part of history, but also a super nice guy. Tell us, how did he start working with Michael Jackson? He was starting his own energy drink company and inviting many investors to the grand opening. One of those was Michael, who after a talk with him, offered him to come to his new tour on the spot. As the weekend approaches, Six you months can later with a completely designed can, a beautiful drink, a mystery drink, and uh, I did send it to the United States and saw me signatures. Californian and, uh, and then I got a, a invitation another six months later I should come to the States and they was excited about this drink and then they brought me to Michael and Michael saw this drink and he did want to have it that was the beginning uh, of our relationship wow that is exciting but how did he go from making energy drinks with the pop star to becoming his biggest manager he says he was concerned about the people around Michael. He says the artist trusts him and insisted he come on tour. After the tour, Dieter says the pop star asked him to become his manager. He talked about the contrast between the real MG and the person on stage. Uh, you stay in front of uh, such a mega artist and uh, uh, for me it was very impressive. And 80 concerts, I was thinking if you see one con concert is enough. But then I made 80 concert with him, and then uh, it was amazing. You see a completely mega star, and then when we went to the ranch, you see this normal human being, and it was very, very life-changing. Dieter did not even know that much about Michael before he even started working with him. I really have to say I, I wasn't. I, I uh, of course you. I heard the music and so, but that was not. A I reason. also asked Dieter. I also asked Dieter if there's anything that almost nobody knows about Michael. He told me that Michael was a great painter, and some of his paintings are going to become available next year for sale. No way! I want one. He said the price would be around ten to a hundred million dollars, though. Never mind. Well, that's all I have from this extraordinary man who promised me he'll be watching today. So thank you, Dieter. Here's one of Michael Jackson's biggest songs of all time, Billie Jean.
This season, the Durham's Lords men's soccer team ended their season with a 7-6-3 and three record, ultimately bowing out with a loss to the Humber Hawks in the quarterfinals of the OC's AA men's soccer championship. Despite not getting the result they wanted, one shining star of the Lords season was Isaiah Wisdom, who signed with the team in July. He tallied four goals and one assist in just six games as a starter this season. Luke Mandato sat down with him to find out more about the newcomer. Luke joins me now to tell us what he learned. Hey, Luke. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us a little about Isaiah Wisdoms. What was he like? It was pretty cool. He was a very cool guy. Uh, he had that typical sort of laid-back athlete sort of personality. Uh, that being said, he was incredibly well-spoken, and I had a great time picking his brain about his athletic career thus far. That's awesome. So take me all the way back. How did he get started in soccer in the first place? I'd imagine this is something he'd always wanted to do. You would think so, but that's actually not the case. He was kind of launched into the world of soccer by his parents, and that's sort of where it all began for him. Yeah, so it's kind of like one of those things like when I was younger and my parents like put me in like summer soccer, right? And then from there, I remember a coach came to one of my games and was like, oh, like, is that your son? I think he's pretty good. Does he want to come out and play here? So I went to play for Oshawa Kicks, like the rep program. And then that kind of got me into more like competitive soccer because before I was just casual. That's not really the traditional way, is it? That must have been a spark of good luck. I'd say so. Like you heard him say, he progressed his way through all different levels of community soccer before joining rep programs and so on. Interesting. So all that experience, what led him to Durham College? It's actually sort of a heartwarming story. 
Uh, with all of his talent on the field, it's obvious that Isaiah had lots of choices when it came to where he would want to play for his post-secondary options. He was actually set to play elsewhere in Canada in a decision that would have seen him go out of province. And it was actually a personal choice that led to his decision for him to blaze his path as the Lord Striker here in Oshawa. Yeah, so I got one other offer in Alberta. And I was, I was like pretty much guaranteed to go there. And then in the end, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to Alberta. It's kind of far. Fort McMurray, like I don't know about that. Yeah. So then I contacted Dave, the coach of the team. And he's like, oh, yeah, just come out, uh, talk to me about it, and I'll get you on the team. So I kind of did want to go away from school. But then it got to the point where, like, am I, like, where I want to go somewhere like that or to stay home where I'm kind of familiar and then maybe go away another year? I think that's pretty cool. It takes a pretty humble guy, in my opinion, to be able to stay close to home, especially with many programs knowing your worth as a player. He went on to say that his family played an important role in his decision to stay. Very cool. And it seems to be paying off for him. He had a great rookie season with us. Yeah, he absolutely did. And as you said earlier, he was scoring goals and setting up his teammates and doing everything that a team player should. His efforts no doubt helped the Lords pick up some crucial wins this season. Head coach Dave Ashfield has also been really impressed with Isaiah, both on and off the pitch. He described him as a, dy- as a dynamic player, someone who is tall, rangy, very pacey, and strong on the ball. Those are all great tangible qualities to have as a player. It definitely sounds like he has the ideal skill set. How about the pitch? What is he like? I think he puts it best when he says that Isaiah Wisdom the striker and Isaiah Wisdom the person can sometimes feel like two completely different people. I feel like, like when I'm outside of soccer, I'm, I'm not that I'm not confident, but I'm on the field more confident and able to speak it like I'd be myself kind of thing. When I'm out, I'm, I guess I could be more filtered, I guess you can say, but I don't know. I feel like on the field, I'm more confident. And then my personality on the field really shows like, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a quicker person. So I like when I like to make runs, I like to, I get to, I like to run a lot. I don't know. So I like to get up there and have fun kind of thing. Sounds like dynamic is the perfect word to di- describe him. I'd say so. Clearly, his versatility is one of his greatest strengths. What program is he in? Right now, he's in Human Resources, which I thought was interesting when he told me that. I know a lot of student-athletes usually go for either a fun course or maybe one that's a little bit easier, so it was really interesting to see that he chose Human Resources. Uh, In my interview with him, he said that he is looking to switch maybe to a finance program or something more business-related. He was just a really great guy to chat with, and I think Durham has a real upcoming star on its hands for next season and beyond. Be sure to keep an eye on this prospect when kickoff for the 2023 campaign starts. Well, best of luck to Isaiah as he continues his extensive footballing journey. Luke's, Luke, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. And now for a weather update, here's Ryan Vieira. As the weekend approaches, you can expect to see some sunshine in the city of Oshawa between Friday and Saturday with temperatures no higher than 3 degrees Celsius. Until Sunday, we can ex- you can expect to see a 90% chance of snow to wrap up the weekend the whole day on Sunday. And then the week begins next week on Monday and Tuesday as the sun comes back into the air for both days. Temperatures at at one degrees at least for those two days. And then from Wednesday until Saturday on, you can expect to see a mixture of snow showers and rain showers throughout those next four days. So in the meantime, enjoy the weekend, but make sure to bring a jacket. And finally, Uriel Martinez hit the halls to find out what students will be up to over the holiday break. So I'm going to be asking people what they're going to do with their Christmas break. Um, let's see what they say. What are you going to be doing this Christmas break? Um, spending lots of time with family. What are you going to be doing on Christmas break? Uh, mostly I'll do working. 
Sorry? Uh, I'll be working, you know, doing my part-time job. Oh, okay. That's good. Enjoy, man. So what are you going to do over Christmas break? Christmas break, I'm going to relax. I'm going to spend time with family and play some video games. Amazing. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Have a good day. So what are you going to do over Christmas break? Uh, I just plan on going home and seeing my family. Perfect. So we just heard from Durham College students about their holiday break plans. Nav, what are your plans? Sleep. I'm so excited to finally get some sleep. Honestly, same. One more week. We can make it. My plans mainly are rolling up in my bed, my blanket, and watching Harry Potter throughout the entire holiday break. Harry no Christmas movies? Um, I think I'm gonna stick to Harry Potter. I'm just a huge big like very big fan. So, thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DCUIT Chronicle to keep up with campus and local news. Check out our website, chronicle.durhamcollege.ca. A special thanks to the Riot Radio team for everything that they have done for us in the past you know, semester. And as we close... As we close out the show, we bring you a song from Ben Platt. The American artist is performing in Toronto at the Scotiabank Arena on December 15th. Here is this 2019 Oscar-nominated song, River, from The Politician. It's coming on Christmas, they're cutting down trees Putting up reindeer, singing songs of joy and peace So I wish I had a river I could skate away on But it don't snow here, it stays pretty green Gonna make a lot of money, then I'm gonna quit this crazy scene Oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on Oh, I wish I had a river so long I would teach my feet to fly Oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away So naughty, made me weak in the knees. Oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I'm so hard to handle, I'm selfish and I'm sad. Now I gone and lost the best baby that I ever had. Oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I wish I had a river so long I would teach my feet to fly
wish I had a river I could skate away on I made my baby say goodbye It's coming on Christmas They're cutting down trees They're putting up reindeer And singing songs of joy and peace So I wish I had a river I could skate away on